Our gospel reading this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, and verses 1 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. He was praying in a certain place, and after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will give up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if a child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> These familiar words do nothing short of providing an outline for the life of discipleship. It presumes an intimate relationship with God and gives a framework of Jesus' mission. Scholars have dissected the prayer into separate parts, analyzing what each means, but I don't want to dwell on that too much today because the passage has a lot more to say than that. First of all, why did the disciples approach Jesus to ask for the secret to prayer? The most obvious answer might be that they see Jesus go off by himself frequently to pray, typically before an event that somehow becomes traumatic or perhaps after a particularly stressful one. But it's, in any case, it's as if he derives his very energy from prayer, and indeed, he does. Another clue is given in the way they framed their question. John the Baptist had taught his followers a method of prayer, and they assumed that the prophetic Jesus had his own secret formula too. Coming on the heels of a somewhat contentiousness of questioning by a lawyer who was trying to trap Jesus into identifying who their neighbors are, one might wonder if Jesus was getting a little bit weary of all this questioning, but he seems to welcome this one. 
The question this time is coming from his own followers, and they are naively trying to do the right thing. So Jesus responds as a teacher does. He provides the answer with a clarifying example. Now, it is true that the book of Matthew covers this prayer instruction with more detail within the context of the Sermon on the Mount. You might have noticed as we read that the the prayer in Luke is a bit shorter, okay? But while Luke's version is shorter, it occurs in a more likely setting, one where the disciples are observing Jesus in his normal routine, and it provides perhaps a more succinct instruction. In her notes for the Discipleship Study Bible, Mary S. Foskett says that, quote, the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples brings together key elements of his mission with its presumption of intimate fellowship with God, desire for the unfettered ruling of God, genuine concern for basic human needs, focus on forgiveness as central to the kingdom, and request to be protected from the kind of testing that Jesus endured. Likewise, in his book entitled The Gospel of Luke, the author Luke Timothy Johnson says, read in isolation, Luke's prayer is an unadorned series of five imperatives. The first two contain the whole concern, the holiness of God and the establishment of his kingdom. The final three ask for necessary provisions, forgiveness of sins, and freedom from testing. The prayer Jesus teaches his disciples authenticates his prophetic mission, for it shows that what he proclaims and performs in his ministry expresses the deepest reality of his own relationship with God. So it's the nature of God and the relationship that Jesus teaches his disciples and us that we can have with him that is the focus of this morning's discussions. Jesus teaches that God is a parent, a father. For most of us, this idea likely evokes images of a man who loved us, played with us when we were children, provided for our physical needs, fed us, housed us, kept us in clothing, and generally guided us. I hold my memories of my own earthly father in high regard, and the word father for God, for me, is a wonderful thing. Because I had a great father. But for some, the imagery of father fails because their human reality isn't a good one. For them, we can only hope that they had good mothers, But even that isn't a given either. But God is the ideal for a loving parent, father or mother, male or female. God is not limited or bound by our human definitions of gender. It's the relationship of the loving parent that is important here. God is also the ruling authority for all on earth. The magnitude of what Jesus is offering here cannot be underplayed. Jesus is offering us the same sort of access he has to the most omnipotent, holy, and all-knowing power that exists 
and he's offering it to us as if we were his siblings. Jesus acknowledges that we go to God in prayer to express our need of God and our unflinching trust in God to provide for our basic survival and his provision of necessary protections from those who would oppose God and God's mission. Yes, we pray from our need and we trust in God, so doesn't it kind of eat away at us when we know we've sinned? And what about when someone does something to us? Don't we expect apologies? When we sin against God or another person, we apologize, don't we? It is up to the offended party, either God or another person, to bear the responsibility of forgiveness. And God always forgives. Human beings, not so much. So when we listen again to the context within the prayer as Luke records it, hear it again, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Doesn't it make us squirm just a little bit? Do we have the right to expect forgiveness from God if we don't forgive others? Jesus then goes on to provide a short story as an example of God's faithfulness and a prescription for the persistence of prayer. A little background might be useful here. In the society at the time, friends held things in common. So, you know, if you needed something, you could go to a friend and the friend would most likely give it to you, you know, knowing that you would pay him back later. You know, it was kind of a flow involved to it. And travelers didn't move around with provisions to eat handy. There weren't any roadside restaurants or convenience stores. There weren't any motels to stay in. They had to accept their hospitality from the people that allowed them to stay for the night with them. In this example, a man receives his guests at a late hour. Might have been a surprise. Have you ever opened your door and <laughs> suddenly there on your doorstep were people that you didn't expect? You're glad to see them, but you weren't expecting them to come. Well, that could have happened to this person. And he realizes he has nothing to set before them. You know, hey, yeah, you needed to go to the store that day, but you didn't. And there's nothing in the house to eat. So the guests are doubtlessly hungry from their journey, and as host, he is expected to provide. Not to do so would subject him to untold embarrassment and shame once the story got out, and it would get out. So he runs to his friend despite the late hour and bangs on the door and asks him for help. Well, of course, the friend's response is, are you kidding me? Hey, we're down for the night, man. Sorry. He's saying, I'm not going to awaken and disrupt my entire household to get you three loaves of bread that I happen to have. But the man is told to persist. And if his friend is truly a friend, he would not allow him to be shamed, and he would get up and get him what he needs. 
or maybe the friend will fulfill the request just so that the petitioner will shut up, go away, and let him go back to sleep. Jesus is saying, if a human friend will do this, how much more will God do for us? God always exceeds and exceeds faithfully all the time any response of human friends. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He goes on to provide examples of flawed human parents who would not give dangerous things to their children and makes the statement that just as those who are evil love their children enough not to do these things, God loves his children so much more and will give them what they really need, which is the Holy Spirit. And Luke leaves it there. What is this Holy Spirit of which Jesus speaks? As Luke has read further, we'll find out more that there are instances in which Jesus discusses and promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples. We also know from reading the book of Acts, which is by most scholars generally accepted to be written by the same person that wrote the book of Luke, that the Holy Spirit does, in fact, come to the disciples on Pentecost following the ascension of Jesus, just as Jesus promised. Now, yes, God is faithful. God will answer prayers. But we can't just go to God with every trivial thing in our lives and expect that God is going to grant them. He might, might not. Praying that God will allow our favorite sports teams to prevail in a game is not a guarantee of victory, okay? But praying that the players avoid serious injury might well be granted. Praying that God will send us a check if we request a free little tube of miracle water off a of late night TV, that's just patently ridiculous. But asking for a healing of relationships, asking to have our survival needs met, asking for knowledge and a deepening of faith, asking for God to equip us to serve God's mission according to God's will, these are all things that God wants to hear from us and will probably grant. But we must tell God that we need God. We have to develop a prayerful relationship with God, respecting God's power, authority, and glory, and we need to heighten our senses to be aware of when God answers, because God always answers. Now, I know this last part can be tricky, and I also know from my own experience that I often was not aware of God's action in my life until much, much after the event was over. Human beings, and we Americans in particular, are so focused on our own independence and ability to do it ourselves that we sometimes don't recognize that we need God, and we do need God. A look around at the mess we know is our world should be evidence enough that left to our own devices, 
We humans sure can make a giant debacle of things. So maybe it's as simple as saying to God, have I told you lately that I need you? Have I listened for the world's voice more than yours? I have sinned against my neighbors without regard for their well-being, thinking only of myself and of my greed. I turn my eyes away from others' suffering. I turn a deafened ear to others' cries. I imprison little children for no reason than to keep their parents out of my domain. When hurt, I turn my anger to the source and fold my arms to reject them when they plead for forgiveness for whatever has caused my pain. And I send them away forever in my debt. Have we told you lately that we need you? How can we make amends for what we've done? Can you forgive us for all the damage we have caused? In the name of independence, stubbornness, insecurity, and greed. Will you give us just enough to keep us going and keep us safe from all who would have us choke and bleed? We know that you have all the power, all the glory, and all the love. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit here below from up above. Will you show us how to truly be your children and show the world our Father's kingdom here on earth? Have we told you lately that we need you? All glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.